1: Hey guys, we are doing a few updates here with our alumni, who we love dearly. And we hope all of you guys are staying healthy, safe, and staying at home during this quarantine. And hope you enjoy listening to a few of our previous guests telling you what's been going on in their life since they did their interview. Here are some updates for the quarantine versions of and the writer is
0: ladies and gentlemen i'm gonna need you to give it up one time for the illustrious the one and only mr ross mr ross damn golin yeah
1: we got him i can hear I don't know you why i did that i don't know why i did that sound was, I like that, that sound That was a weird sound to make
0: Ye- Yeah 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 Boy How you doing Ross?
1: Yeah Hey How's everything going? Um You know it, It's that thing where I, I heard you asking People from Zero to ten yeah. And I feel like we're inundated With numbers right now That's true There's a uh, There's a podcast That I listen to a lot Called radio lab oh love radio lab. and a great great uh, great podcast but the, this, this episode I just listened to it's a couple weeks old but it was sort of about numbers and how we constantly are listening to all these numbers and which numbers are we supposed to pay attention to right you know it's like are we supposed to listen to the, you know the amount of people who got sick are we the people who died the people who recovered right you know all these different things there was something really interesting about this, this guy was talking about exponential numbers and you hear about things that are exponential. And he said that there's a great question, which is if, if I were to say to you, like, Hey, if, you know, Ricky Reed, if you're I'll pay you a million dollars today to mow, mow my lawn every single day this month, or I'll give you a penny today, two pennies tomorrow, four pennies the third day. You know, for the rest of the month. Right. You know, an exponential growth. Which one would right. you take?
0: I know, you know it's the second one. I know it's the second one.
1: <laughs> of course it's the second one. Right. The second one, by the end of the month, you end up with $20 million. Wow. So that's how exponential oh. growth is. And, and the, you know, right. the guy used the example... I'm so off-topic. I'm so sorry. But this is just interesting to me. People want to know about songwriting
0: math, math, bro. How do you exponentially make the chorus pop? Yes! Do you want your chorus to pop like one million pops or 20 million pops? You start the verse with one
1: penny. If you have 30 choruses and you add one instrument per for the first chorus to the next one... (laughs) Then you have a Lizzo record. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's an insult.
0: <laughs> Are you trying to say I have 20 million sounds in each chorus,
1: Ross? No, of course not. So, um, uh, yeah, anyway, one thing that was interesting about flattening the curve that's fascinating is this. Okay. If you want to think about exponential growth and you're a musician, think about yeah. feedback. Yes. That what it is is, you know, you start at 20 hertz, and you double and you double and you double and you double and you double, and, you double, and that's how you get that. If your, your mic is really close to the speaker, that's how you're going to get something terribly loud, and it's going to be impossible to even comprehend how fast that curve goes.
0: Right, right. But if
1: you, if you do it, for, if you pull the mic further and further back, you can use fewer octaves and that's literally flattening the audio curve. Yeah, it's true. So it's a way to audibly think of what flattening the curve is. I think that's fascinating. I, so that's going I ahead. think...
0: No, you're you're exactly right. Uh, it's also a metaphor for... I think we've flattened the curve. I, I thought, actually, rather, we had flattened the curve for technical problems on this show, but I was wrong. <laughs> I was
1: wrong. <laughs> well, here, here, I know, I know you've got a long show. So listen... Okay. Um, Live from Nice, live. Hey, we are doing the Ricky Reed and the writer is update.
0: Yes, yes. Welcome, and we have we have our people in the chat checking it out,
1: watching us. We're gonna wrap. Oh up yeah, a you're bit, gonna have Russ... to read me questions if, if there's stuff that you want to respond to. But there were a yes. couple things that I please. You know, I, I wanted to talk about. You know, you're the. Very first interview that we ever had. We've talked about that before. Um, we were, we ended. It, it was the. I was nervous when we did it. I was nervous um, too. It was uh, before. It was before you got nominated for producer of the year the first time. Mm-hmm. It was only four years ago, by the way. So it's not like. <laughs> Like I said before, it sounds like I just made it up when I said, Hey, can I mention how many times you've been nominated for <laughs> producer of the years? It sounds nice. I've also I
0: also had no no children four years ago. I mean Oh my very, god. Very different time. And now you've got nine. And now I have nine children. Again, <laughs> you, nine. you start with a penny, you have <laughs> nine children.
1: <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. Um you know we can talk about a lot of things but I think while we're on nice life I think it's important to really talk about what nice life is because I feel like all of it revolves around what nice life is and um nice life is a lot of things it's not just a publishing company it's not just a record company you know it's not an incub- not just an incubator for talent you know, it's not a, its not just a scout for talent. Right. You know, I—I I feel like you guys are a lot of things. So, I mean, explain that, what I, Nice Life is to people who just follow you.
0: You know, I should have done this a long time ago on this show because I just talk about it casually and kind of assume people know what it is. But I'm sure people don't really know what it is. So, um, to everyone listening, I think this is actually really helpful. So, Nice Life is a record company. You know, we. Sign artists. We put out their records. It's kind of what you'd expect. A publishing company, if you don't know, is something where you sign songwriters, often songwriters who are also producers, um, help them develop themselves, develop their sound, you know, of course, get cuts or whatever, but even try to help them develop finding their own new talent, um, and building their own kingdoms. That's something we like to say. Um, you know, but the thing about Nice Life is that, um, like the person who we're named after, Steve Brodsky, my late manager, uh, we're kind of don't really consider ourselves so much part of the scene of the record industry. Like, you know, Ross used the words scout and incubator and things like that. You know, we, we always wanted to be, you know, a family, a community, an idea, a movement, more of that kind of thing. And, and even though the whole, record label itself sort of fell into my lap um, as a partnership with Atlantic when I was having some success with them, uh, with their label, you know, we've gotten to the point now where we're actually developing a real family and community, of course, with Lizzo, who we'll talk about. But, you know, two of our artists are roommates, which is insane. (laughs) Um, You know, two of our other artists are producing each other, like, they all show up. Can you up say for each who these people things. are? It's, what's that? Can you tell us who these people? are? I don't know if I can say which ones are the roommates. I feel like that's putting too much. Okay, in. <laughs> but especially like, in a quarantine way, they'll just get. Yeah, you know exactly. Too many people in one target. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> um, but then also, yeah, you have like Nate Mercero, who's a brilliant producer, and musician who I collaborate with a lot. We helped him get his label How So Records off the ground. Um, you know, put him together with Saint Panther, who's a new artist now that we're doing together. But she also has worked with Junior Mesa, and Junior Mesa has worked with John Robert. And there's just this whole thing bubbling, and that's that's what our dream kind of always was. So it's really exciting to see that coming together now.
1: Yeah, it's awesome, man. Um, Thanks. You know, speaking of the success that you had with Atlantic and some of the things that happened, not just with them, but, you know, 21 pilots was since then, that, that's Atlantic. Yeah. You know, you did stuff on Greatest Showman, that's Atlantic. Um, you know, since then, you had... What was that? Oh, I just said Iconopop. That was in that same yeah. sort of era. Sure. You know, um, even just the idea of having outside of them, but Halsey, Leon Bridges, The Weeknd, you know, working on all those projects are so different from each other.
0: Mm.
1: And when a, a lot of producers get pigeonholed, and I believe we talked about this the first time, how do you avoid... Getting pigeonholed? Why is it? I'm, you know, I would assume everyone comes to you and says, "Give me the next Twenty One Pilots," and you, and you're like, "Sure, I'll go work on Leon Bridges." And they're like, "Give me right. the next Leon Bridges," and you're like, "Yeah, that's fine. I'll go work on on the Game of Thrones soundtrack." Like none of right. these things make sense right, with right. each other. Why do you not get pigeonholed like everybody else seems to? Um, I mean, I have I have a I have a short attention span. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I sort of let my, you know, I let my interests guide me and, um, like most people that like a bunch of different TV shows or even listen to different, uh, artists. I just, I, I get, you know, I get bored, um, kind of doing the same thing over and over. It, it was evident early on when I had my first success with Derulo and Talk Dirty, and I, for a second, I was just like, okay, got to chase this down. Like, got to keep going. I, I have a hit. Oh, my God. I have a hit. Like, oh, my fucking God. <laughs> so chased it down for a minute and made a few more records in that style. But it quickly became obvious. People were coming to me, like, a- asking for the sax hook, ax- asking for the trumpet drop and shit, you know. Um, so 21 Pilots was the first really... Uh, intentional pivot, which I give a lot of credit to my manager, Larry Wade. He sort of hunkered down with me and he was like, you know, man, we gotta like we were both feeling that. Uh but since then it's actually become a little easier just by letting it be my taste just guided me. Oh, I like this. Oh, I like that. Like, do you want to meet Bomba Stereo, this Colombian band? Oh yeah, I think I heard them on KCRW. Yeah, I'll meet them. Oh, they're cool. Want to go to Columbia?
1: Yeah. And just sort
0: of letting it be as simple as that. Um, yeah, but that's it's, largely it's, what it's, been.
1: it's rarely that simple when, you know, the those artists that you're talking about, a lot of them, the floor is really low, you know, in when you're working with, when for sure you could get in with people where you know they're going to move a certain number of units. Right you end up working with 21 Pilots, who is nothing, but when you're... Not nothing, they had a, a successful album, but, like, it, it hadn't crossed over yet. Right, right. You know, they weren't a household name, you know. Certainly Lizzo wasn't when you met Lizzo, right. you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing... I, I continued realizing the that universe. there were projects that I was taking, and everyone can relate to this, there's projects I was taking that... Um, you know the kind of like artist that if you are at Thanksgiving dinner, you know, and like your aunt asks you about hmm. like, music or movies or something, um, there's some shit like you're like, okay, my auntie's just not gonna know what I'm talking about. So you'll say like, oh, it's kind of like it's it's like Katy Perry or something, and they'll go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I realized that there was projects I was taking that were those those kind of artists. Like I can go home at Thanksgiving and, and talk about this artist and everybody will know who it is. Um, And it's not as fun to go home at Thanksgiving and be like, I'm working on the next developing thing, but trust me, it's going to be sick. And everyone goes, mm-hmm. you know, Um, but you realize after a while that like, there's nothing better than breaking artists. And I tell this to like up and coming producers and writers all the time. They're like, how do I get my song to Sam Smith or how do I get my song to Taylor Swift? I'm like, first of all, they're not taking outside songs. Second of all, um, look around and if there's anybody brilliant around you, produce them, lock in with them and be their day one because all the stars have a day one. So find out who's going to be yours and go there now. That's, I say that as often as I can. Do you feel pressure?
1: Yes. From all whom? the time. Who do, you, who do you feel it from?
0: Uh, myself. Um, what do you expect from yourself? Too much. A is lot, it, way, way too much.
1: Is it more pressure because of the success you've had than in the beginning when you wanted success? Like, Is the pressure heavier now? Or is it just different?
0: It's different but it's still there. I having kids having kids changed the flavour of the pressure (laughs) um to actually be something that I like a lot more.
1: But Interesting.
0: I, I think the sort of ugliest version of the pressure I put on myself was um since having success but before having kids. Mm-hmm. And that was for me the time when I was just busting my ass and beating myself up and like neglecting the people around me because I was just chasing down, like pushing it and pushing it. And of course, like, look, like most of us, I had been working for 16 years with no success. So you finally can pay your bills and you're like, dude, I got to keep this going. Of course. Of course. Right. Um but there's a point when you really are okay, you're secure, and then you're just grinding for, like, what? And um, grinding to disconnect or to ignore things in your life, like all kinds of things like that. So I'll say now I am – I do still put a lot of pressure on myself. I do still work, um, work myself too much, but I'll say that now – it's not it's not with doing things like trying to have the next hit
1: it's just saying yes to too much stuff that i really love right exactly it's like a an embarrassment of riches on some level and it's you know it's it's hard to say no when the opportunities are you can still say no to 90% of the things and that 10% is still overwhelming when you're having the success you're having um Mm -hmm. you know it's interesting do you get fomo when you're seemingly the center of a lot of you know in a year where you have what you had and we'll go into it next Mm -hmm. where your artist has i believe eight grammy nominations plus maybe more but i think eight grammy nominations you're nominated for producer of the year again you you worked on all kinds of amazing projects, but in a year like that, do you still get FOMO? You know
0: that I am. I, I wrestled with it a little bit, but it was it was sort of the first time that I got to take my foot off the gas. Um, I mean, it had, look, it, cause I love you, the album came out four days after my twin baby boys were born, so it's very hard to locate in my head what was sort of driving, what's driving what, you know what I mean? Um, but I will say, That was the kind of success that allowed me to, uh, sort of, sort of quieted like my fears, my like existential fears about being relevant or being on or not. It was really like, um, it was, it was validating, you know, and, and it, my creativity after that success. Felt so much stronger, so much wilder and freer because I was like, I just felt kind of like, OK, yeah, like I'm 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 good for a minute. So once I got through my paternity leave and everything, and kind of got back into it. I felt fresher and more excited and just um, electrified. That's sort of the quiet gift that I haven't talked about that much since the release of Because I Love You and Lizzo's success is was the relaxing of the fear and the sort of vibrance of my my creativity in the wake of it. It It's
1: awesome. You mentioned paternity leave, which is not something that's often discussed in the music industry because it's filled with independent contractors who don't take their mental health and their personal time seriously. (laughs) How long was your paternity leave for? And uh, before you answer that, I'd like to note that when people feel like taking time off is going to be a detriment to the hustle, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: they're making a big mistake. I'm speaking to myself and speaking to you and speaking to everyone we know that has uh, some workaholism in, it, in there. Yes. That when you take that time off, you can tell that nobody's going to look at Ricky Reed's uh, 2019 year and think that you missed out by taking time off to be a good father. So kudos to you for leading the way, but uh, I'll let you answer that earlier question.
0: Yeah. Well, I, let's see. I took, um, I took about two solid months off, two solid months off. Um, and my sort of tiptoeing back in was really, really fun. You know, I talked to my manager, Larry, who I mentioned earlier, and I was like, let's, let's let me just sort of inch back in by just kind of saying yes to people that I'm texting with. You want to come through? Yeah. Like, We're doing this thing. Cool. And leaving it really unscheduled. And I would say probably three, three and a half months in, I'm back on on a full schedule. But the full schedule, you know, when you have um, that makeup at home, you know, twin babies and a toddler, the full schedule is is a four-day week or often a three-day week. And to get to what you said about the mistake of time off one of our mutual friends a, a guy who runs um, Big Deal Music Group, a guy named Kenny McPherson he was the one uh, I think it was actually at a Lizzo show he and I no, Fiddler, Fiddler show um, he pulled me aside and was like uh, got real close <laughs> you know, we're at a show are real close and he says you know you don't need to worry you've spent all this time, you've spent all these years building and building friendships, relationships a community, and this I'm not just talking about me, like to everyone listening, like you have your circle, you have your friends, your collaborators people who, who love you, the people who love your work It's um, like those those people aren't just aren't gonna just go away. And furthermore, you've been working for a moment like this, like you've been working for precisely this moment where you can give yourself that, and they're all gonna be there for you when you get back, dude. I relayed that story to my therapist. Uh, I know it's very LA to have a therapist, but it's very helpful. <laughs> She's fabulous. But I talked to her through this, told her that story. Oh my God, I sobbed. I did not see it coming, but something about thinking about all the people that I love, all my friendships, all my relationships, this community that's so great that Ross, you and I are both a part of, thinking about all those people like being there for me and how it was okay. I think I think the last line he said was something that along the lines of like let them care for you like let them hold you or something and I was like it fucked me up man <laughs> I haven't <laughs> cried on, on the you... stream yet but it's coming
1: it's coming <laughs> soon <laughs> yeah. we'll get there you have you have you have, um, you do have very loyal collaborators um, writers and artists. Mm-hmm. I imagine they were encouraging about you taking the time off, but even when having an artist release an album and then you take the time off, did you find it difficult at all? In, in an industry where everyone wants you to be available at all times, right. were they all okay adjusting to, the new, to that new normal for a minute?
0: Yeah, I I think it's who you surround yourself with, you know, and and I talk about artists that I work with, writers, producers, people on the business side, and how you want to surround yourself with people who aren't just talented, but are who like are are kind and loving and everything, and you know, I'm lucky now to have a group of people around me who are all they know if I'm like I'm out. For a minute, I gotta take care of myself. They're all right there with me. Um, And, you know, if you, I would say to people like listening, all the folks in the chat, um, if you feel like you need to do something for yourself, you need a minute, you need a breather, and there's someone around you who's not respecting that. And they can be subtle about it. They may say, they don't have to just say, like, yo, fuck your. Mental health, bro. Fuck <laughs> <Like laughs> you, so mental weird. health, bro.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: they don't have to say that, but they might say, like, oh, I thought you were going to come through. Oh, like you, we're supposed to, oh, man, you don't like working the way you used to, or like you're, you know, like you've changed that kind of stuff. If there's people like that around you who are not um, attuned to your interest the way t- to your you know your health, the way you should be the way you uh, want to be like I say cut them not physically, literally not- I mean, <laughs> just cut them out of your life
1: <laughs> this, is, this is and this is what's shown in court when it was like but Ricky Reed told me <laughs> songwriters are so litigious What's going to happen is some songwriter is going to cut some guy because he's like... (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. right. So dark and so strange. Um, uh, Lizzo. Okay. You know, there's... It's so rare to be around somebody when they take off um, from nothing to, you know, the top. Right. Um, you know, we've all, we've been fortunate where we've seen it usually from peripherally, maybe we had the song, song on the album, maybe we got to work in a camp for them. Um, but to be part of the label, you had to be there from the, I think this woman is talented through the four years of releasing music and nobody paying attention right? to trying to get sessions with big writers, asking for favors, even though they, they weren't favors long, mm-hmm. you know, how much do you feel like the next steps in your career are no longer about you and they're about artists like Lizzo?
0: Oh, I mean, yes, 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 200% yes. Um, you know, the, we're in a world now where the power of the artist, like the appeal of the artist. I mean, the artists have always been, um, from the outside, you know, what everyone sees as, as the thing, but there was also like a lot of, you know, super powerful producers and writers and things behind the scenes that could really call the shots. And, you know, now more than ever, what I really learned with Lizzo and what I also didn't even, wasn't even thinking about, wasn't even anticipating working with her, like, when you see an artist that you're working with sell out their first, like, thousand-cap room, And all these people going crazy or crying, you know. And then you see him sell out a twenty-five hundred cap room, and you're you're watching the way they're touching people, like culturally, um, emotionally. That I didn't even know that was coming because I had seen artists like perform my songs before, and it was fine. But watching her get to the level that she was at the satisfaction like the all of a sudden it's like oh this is actually why i got into music was to help amplify the voices of people like her and bring the joy that she brought me when she first walked into a room like to help her bring that joy to like millions of people like that's actually it it's not Mm because like just because I have like a soft spot for pop music and I'm a nerd for production. It is like, and I didn't see it coming, but it turns out that's what I discovered working with her. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. You know, I was going to say my last question was going to be about what makes you happy. I think you, you kind of <laughs> nailed that certainly outside, you know, in career wise. Um, you know, one anecdotal thing before I, I make up a last question. Um, you know, when... Obviously, we did an update with you about The Wrong Man, where you were the guest host. Right. And since then, we've done... Uh, you know, the show ran off-Broadway, had a very successful run. We just got nominated for a few awards. Mm-hmm. But one of, one of the highlights of the the wrong man experience to start was that when you got nominated for producer of the year it was an honor to have it say ross Golan, the wrong man as one of the songs that you produced throughout the year and one of the projects mm-hmm. it, it meant so much on many levels wanted to share that with you in some small piece yeah um you know you just have you, have, you have options to write with a lot of things. Hmm. Um, I forget that I am, that, that that I'm an artist too. Sometimes I'm always so used to doing what we do, which is, you know, you go to the studio, you write songs, you do interesting right. stuff. But that was one of the first times where I saw my name as an artist and not, it wasn't under the wrong man. It wasn't under the show. Right. It listed me as an artist and, and that meant a ton to me. So, Oh. You know I I have to say thank you for that cuz that that's like uh even though it's a sliver of it that was a really cool experience for me. So that's amazing really appreciate that. Um cheers dude. Are you drinking water out of
0: a coffee cup or no?
1: Oh um I mean what do you got? I can't drink straight from this, right? That's against the rules. Oh, there no what? we we we
0: we hit, we no rules all hard. That's part of the slogan, bro. All right, well, then here. Cheers. Cheers. All the finest. I have an idea. Yeah. I have That's an idea. Yeah. For your last question? Yeah, sure. In- instead of your last question. Oh, great. I, I like want it. to I want to open it up to the people in the chat. I want to do two questions. From the chat, because when I tried, when I fucking gorilla facetimed you the other day, Mm -hmm. people couldn't hear you, they couldn't see you, but they were really excited. So, if if there's anybody in the chat, there's always a little bit of a lag here, but um, let us know if you have questions for Ross. Ross, I'm going to have another sip of my drink while I wait to see what people have.
1: And just a reminder. Oh. For the and the writer, is listeners who are going to be hearing this. Follow Ricky Reed. Follow Nice Life. Hey. And make sure that you watch Nice Life. That's it. Follow the Nice Life artists, writers, and have fun. Because every night's a party. Every hey. night's a party. <laughs> Come on, Ross. Show
0: Okay. We got questions coming in. Um right. let's see. Oh my goodness, Ross, the first question is mental. I I'm gonna hit I'm gonna hit you with it because I think you are someone who can handle a question like this. Okay. Wilmore says, Ross, do you feel that your career is as valid in a pandemic as it was before? Is it valid? Um, maybe you could, you could switch the word valid for something else. I would be eager to answer this question because this is a really good one.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think it's our obligation to help people maybe get out of this. There's been a great meme that's been going going around, which is if if you didn't understand the value of actors and singers and songwriters and screenwriters in a, in a time where people can only be entertained by the work that we've done our whole lives up until now, you know, you better play music yourself, but if you're playing music yourself and you're playing somebody else's song that's a songwriter. You're playing vinyl, you're playing. You're streaming this, you're streaming that, you're playing board games that were designed by some other artist. in that way. It's right. all been art. This is an opportunity. When you're entertained, you're entertained by people who create that entertainment. Right. And I think you could argue that there's never been a more valuable time for what our industry does Right. than in a pandemic when people can't leave their homes. I that said, I think it's also our obligation to take care of our fellow writers and artists who are struggling and who will struggle, mm-hmm. especially, you know, our, our older brothers and sisters who are 60, 70, 80 years old and, and, and paved the way for us. I think we owe them and that's why we've, taken all of our updates so far, and we've decided not to get sponsors and to remind people that they can donate to Music Cares, because now's an opportunity to not just give back with art, but to give back with your wallet if you're so fortunate to do that. So yeah, I think we're not just valid uh, now, I think we'll be more valid as we need more entertainment, so hopefully that was fine.
0: Ross, people in the chat are loving it. also, Will Morris, the person who asked the question, said, "All right, you read that way harsher than I meant it." Ha ha. He says, "Your answer was
1: phenomenal <laughs> uh, thanks I, I didn't think it was genuinely didn't think it was harsh. I think it's important to discuss the value of what we do. I agree. that's what we've been fighting for for the Music Modernization Act. You know a lot of people don't think of music as having worth because it's you can't see sound waves." Yep. But you see right now when people are dancing to TikTok to songs that we wrote five years ago or songs we wrote yesterday, and you right. see the value very quickly.
0: I love it. Okay. So, uh, we have, oh, Jason Vieties in the chat. What's up, buddy? So we have a question. We're going to switch it up. This is our last question for Ross. Um, this is Dustin. No, sorry. Oh, uh, Dustin Bath. I started reading your name, but your icon was in purple, and I wanted to read a different person's in purple. So, we'll do both. Two more questions, Ross. Dustin Bath says, what do you do when you are not inspired or have writer's block?
1: I mean, there's a famous quote, right? uh, You know, essentially, amateurs need inspiration. You know, if you're if you're pro, you you just make it. You know, I mean, I I don't know that. You know, you just wipe through it. Right. So that you know, you just you just you make up. But look around you right now. All all of you are staring at this the most incredible tool you have a, a computer, right? You know, go on Wikipedia, hit random article. And tell me that you're not going to be inspired in the first 10 articles you read. There's going to be something about some person who did something spectacular. You're going to read about it and write a song about their life. Not every song has to be written for the intent of it being a hit. You can write a song about a person. You can write a song about a situation. You can write about... You know, if you don't know who the listener is, that's fine. Yeah. Like If you don't know the artist is going to cut it, that's fine. You can write a song about anything but just write the song and if it sucks that's fine yep you might be surprised it might be great might be damn great
0: i love that and then last question from so freddy any advice on writing second
1: verses <laughs> i <kinda laughs> like this <one laughs> for some reason i've said before that i think my uh um my tombstone would read, um, uh, working on the second verse shouldn't take long because I don't think that there's a text that I said more than that. Oh my God. The last line yeah. of the second verse is always a, Oh bro. Now let me, let me just say, I'll say two things. Mm. Often your first verse is probably your second verse.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, like, uh, there's, there's a way to probably better set up your song than you think often. I think a lot of times people just start singing the song on the first verse, but they can probably beat that. Right. So sometimes the first verse is really the second verse. The other thing is it depends if you're writing a, you know, what kind of genre you're writing. Are you telling a story from front to finish? Mm -hmm. Is it a song about beginning, middle and end? Is your, is your second verse the middle? Or is it all about the first and second verse? Are they really about the same thing said differently? Right. You know, right. so right. depending on what your song is about, uh, you can probably get through a second verse just by, uh, not giving up and, and, you know, having another sip of wine. Cause it's for some reason, I don't know, I don't know how many times the second verse is the thing that sold the song. Um, yeah. Uh, don't
0: worry about it I I got two answers also one uh, if your second verse is the same as the first verse I'm going to be bored Um, second half of the second verse is always an opportunity always an opportunity to switch it up like new Hmm. melody something shocking second half of the second verse I love also you're having trouble with the second verse Fucking don't have a second verse start with the hook do hook, verse, hook, bridge, hook. That's great. That's a great way to get around a second verse, if your hook is good and it sounds good. You know
1: the, the song, song. Um, Bad Day? And you had a bad day. You yeah. know that song? Yeah. There's no second verse. There it is. It
0: and that's my favorite it.
1: song, bro. <laughs> Dude, that was the most played song in the United Kingdom that year. Huge song. Hey, I, I
0: was I got it confused for a second. With I used to always confuse it with uh,
1: "You're Beautiful,"
0: but now I know James Blunt is a fucking madman, and I'll never confuse <laughs> him with anything else ever again.
1: He's, he's a very <laughs> funny guy. Um, right,
0: um, let's let's get into Ross. Will you stay for our uh, for our demo hang?
1: For our, yeah, let's uh, let's, 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 do it, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's
0: wanna, go. Want to fucking drop into this shit, bro? We're gonna bring. I got to get some sound effects. We don't have them yet, but I, I want to have sound effects for my uh, different segments, like
1: ding, ding, ding.
0: So first, yeah, real quick,
1: because I'm I'm not sure if we're gonna be able to air this part on the "And the Writer Is" podcast. Let me just leave them uh, the the "And oh, the yeah. Writer Is" people when we do that. If you want to see what happens next. You can probably go onto YouTube and check out this. If they, I don't know. Do you guys hear this after the fact? Can you yeah, yeah. All the dog? episodes
0: are at youtube.com slash nice dot life, nice dot life.
1: Awesome. So you can check out what happens next on that. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, yeah, exactly. And that okay. was a party! Hey! Oh! Okay. okay, now we're moving on to the next thing. Let's go. Okay. Thanks for listening to this episode of And the Writer Is. If you want to hear music from this songwriter I just interviewed, be sure to check out our Spotify playlist or visit our website at andthewriteris.com. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter. And the Writer Is, is produced by Joe London, edited by Miles Bergsma, and published by Big Deal Music. A special thanks to David Silverstein from Mega House Music and Michael White. Until next time, this is Ross Golan.